This is the Tanakh podcast with Alex Israel, Moadim Simcha, And today, here in Yahu Perak, Lama Dalad, Jeremiah chapter 34. Is religion service of God or is it something that benefits man? What happens when I do an act in God's name, but it is in fact self-serving? What happens when we abuse religion and we make religious commitments, but then we betray them? In today's chapter, we hear of an interesting um, happening in Yerushalayim. The king is Sidkiyahu, and under Sidkiyahu's uh, control or guidance, it sounds like all of the people had... All of the leaders, we talk about the Sarim and the Kol Ha'am, had come in a covenant for each person to free their slave, their male slaves and their female slaves, that they wouldn't need to serve them anymore. And they'd come in a solemn promise. If you look at the end of the chapter, uh, it tells us that they had actually undergone a solemn covenant which involved taking an egel, a calf, cutting it into two, vayavru bein batarav, reminds us of the Brit bein habatarim, where you took an animal, you cut it in half, and you said, we will keep this covenant, and if if we don't, and you you walk through the two pieces of the calf, and you say that if we don't keep this, let let us be ripped into two, just like this calf is is in two, let us um, somehow be divided into two. They took this covenant in the, in the temple, and then what do they do? They go and reclaim their slaves. They take back their slaves. I guess there are two questions here. Number one, why would the people do such a strange thing? If they're freed them, free them. What do you mean? Why take them back? Number two, what is the spiritual significance of all of this? So let's first answer the first question. Uh, We're told that this story is happening when Nebuchadnezzar, Melech Babel, V'chol Chelo, V'chol Mamlechot Aretz, V'chol Amim Nilchamim Al Yerushalayim. There is a siege on Jerusalem. We hear also about siege on other towns, or they're fighting against other towns, Lachish and Azekah, Azekah near Bet Shemesh. Um, the Babylonians are are engaged in, in fighting in the city, and it seems like in this situation, when you suddenly find a, an enemy of the size and power of Babylonia besieging your country and besieging your city, you want to do something drastic. You want to make a religious um, statement. You want to do tshuva. And what they decided to do was they decided to free the slaves in order to sort of uh, make an expression to God. Maybe in the same way as we're freeing our slaves, God, you should free us. So why did they come back and <laughs> and reclaim the slaves? Well, well, we learn in just a couple of chapters' time in Perak Lamadzayan that what happened soon after the Babylonians besieged Jerusalem, but then 
Egypt was causing some sort of trouble and the Babylonians abandoned Jerusalem only to later return. But uh, for a period, the, the Babylonians abandoned Jerusalem. And now we understand what is really happening here. Because, of course, when there is a siege, do you want slaves? Do you need slaves? The economy in ancient times, if you've got an agricultural economy, you need a lot of people to, to sort of fuel that economy. Uh, some people will even claim that's why people had so many kids. All the children could work on the farm. You wanted slaves. You wanted a lot of people. It's a, it's a very um, people-heavy um, industry. And you need people to work in the fields, to plow and to sow and to, to do all of the, the farm work. But then what will happen when there's a siege? Well, if you're employing, if you've got lots of slaves during a siege, and then all that means is you've got more mouths to feed. The slaves can't really do anything. They can tidy the house. They can cook. Maybe they can do some laundry if there's water, but not much more than that. They're, they're useless. In fact, these slaves are a drain on the resources of the household. Well, now the Babylonians leave Jerusalem. They have to go and deal with the attack by the Egyptians and they retreat. And suddenly the fields are wide open and there's an urgent need for food and people want to farm. And now there's a severe shortage of manpower. What do people do? They re-enslave the people who they had just freed. They, they reclaim their servants, their maidservants, and this is what they do. Now, this is wrong at a great number of levels. Number one, Ben Adam Lechavero. Can you imagine being a slave and then being freed? It's a feeling, an amazing feeling that your whole life is, is, is now reclaimed by you. And suddenly then that freedom is taken away. Gosh, what a terrible, awful feeling. So there's a, a betrayal, Ben Adam Lechavero. Number two, as our chapter says, God ultimately wants everybody to be free. We read in our chapter where it says that uh, God says, They really are only meant to have a slave for six years and then you're meant to free your slave. And he uses the, way, the phrase, You're meant to cause freedom. Dror is the word which is used by the Torah in Parshat uh, Bahar, Vayikra Perak about slaves going free in the Yovel, in the Jubilee year. They go free never to be reincarcerated, never to be again re-enslaved. So we have the, the line there in in uh, Parshat to Bahar, I don't want human beings to be slaves to other human beings. I only want them to serve me, says God. So there's a betrayal, Ben Adam Lamakom, that God really wants everybody to be free. But maybe even the greatest betrayal of all is a betrayal in that historical moment. Because remember, the people had made a solemn covenant. A covenant is a contract. It's something binding. It is something to be which that if you abrogate it, there are severe penalties. And they had, in their moment of distress, made a, a covenantal ceremony to say, if only we free our slaves, God, you should release us from the burden, from the attack of the Babylonians. 
Now, when the Babylonians retreated because of the Egyptian advance, I assume people didn't look at this as a particularly religious moment. They didn't say that God had made it happen. They said the Egyptians had made it happen. Like the famous joke about the person who prays for, I don't know, he's driving around a, a car park, a parking lot, and he says, please God, please God, please God, help me find a parking space. And suddenly he sees a car pull out and he says, oh, never mind, God, I found one. Is, is God helping you or is something else? When the Egyptians attacked, was that an act of God or was that an act of, of just a freak chance? So now what happens is the people bring back their slaves. What does God say? I'm the one who caused Egypt to attack. I'm the one who you made a, a, a covenantal ceremony with, with you releasing your slaves. And I released you from Babylon. Now you've seen Babylon go away. You're reclaiming your slaves. Okay, well, I'm going to bring Babylon right back. And that's exactly what he says here. You didn't listen to me to give freedom, each person to their brother, the Ishlerehu, and each person to their to their friend. Therefore, I am going to have an open season for the sword, for the pestilence, and for the hunger. I'm going to bring the Babylonians back. God calls this a Chilul Hashem. He says, And now the rest is really going to be history.